Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Joining us right now from Rome is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Executive Editor and Washington Bureau Chief for EWTN News and a Senior Fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. Matthew, good to have you here. Thank you. Very good, very good to be with you. Blessed Easter to everyone. And to you. Uh, let's, there are a few stories I'd like to get to. Let me jump to the first one. The Catholic Archdiocese for Military Services is accusing Walter Reed National Military Medical Center of denying Catholic service members and veterans the right to practice their religion after it canceled a contract for pastoral care and issued a cease and desist order to a community of Catholic priests just days before Holy Week. This sounds clumsy. It sounds... They have tin ears um, to those who are concerned with patient care. What can you tell me about this story? Well, there are a couple of interesting uh, components to it. Uh, first, uh, as you said, it is very clumsy, but uh, boy, we seem to be seeing this an awful lot these days, uh, in which contracts are being uh, canceled, in which uh, long-standing relationships, uh, certainly on the, with the Catholic Church on the part of the uh, Defense Department, on uh, the part of government agencies, is coming to an end. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that in this case particularly is notable. Now, for those who may be wondering why this involves the airstrikes of military services, uh, it, it, because Walter Reed is one of the most important military hospitals anywhere, and it also operates uh, under the Department of Defense and also the Defense Health Agency, all of that uh, is of deep pastoral concern and technically of pastoral jurisdiction to the military archdiocese. So this is why uh, Archbishop Timothy Bolio, who also is the Archbishop for the military archdiocese, but also, of course, President of the United States Conference for Catholic Bishops, uh, has been moving in so quickly. What is also quite surprising about this is, as you said, how it was handled. On March 31st, not only did Walter Reed, uh, the, again, National Military Medical Center, uh, issue a cease and desist order, uh, as was noted, to Holy Name College Fire, which is a community of Franciscan priests and brothers, but they did so basically at the start of the holiest time of the year yeah. for Catholics, as though they were trying to send some kind of a message, and if it was, I think it was heard loud and clear. Yeah. What are they claiming is the reason for this? Why do they feel compelled to do this? I mean, they've been working 20 years in that area. If it's not broken, don't try to fix it. Yeah, well, I think uh, efforts to explain this uh, have uh, been uh, a little hazy. Uh, we've had uh, Walter Reed itself uh, apparently looking at a variety of secular uh, contractors, uh, essentially non-religious contractors, who are supposed to be providing a type of pastoral and spiritual care that the Franciscan priests and others are providing. So right there you have uh, something that is, as Archbishop Bowie said, incomprehensible, but it is also something inexplicable. If there's a cost difference between having the Franciscan and the non-religious contractor, there would not be any significant difference in that more like this. Right. Uh, in addition, though, the Walter Reed himself uh, did make the point uh, that, uh, well, this is still something that they're reviewing, uh, that this is um, 
a process uh, that they're trying to decide whether or not they want to proceed with. Mm. So if that's the case, then it certainly gives them room to walk this back. But the issue still comes down to the fact, and, and despite the protests on the part of Walter Reed Medical Center, that the people during Easter certainly would have access to the sort of spiritual care that the Franciscans would bring. Yeah. Now, the timing of it was disastrous, uh, but the simple reality is that uh, a for-profit agency, a for-profit contract, which presumably was the low bidder here, has no capacity to provide the Catholic priest to the medical center, right. which means not only is it a pastoral oversight, but it's a very clear violation of the, the rights and obligations and deserved needs of service members and veterans. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know if um, Archbishop uh, Timothy Brolio is taking legal action at this point? Well, I think uh, we know that based on the comments from uh, the North Archdiocese, uh, that uh, their attorney has been heavily involved in uh, discussions with Walter Reed. Uh, we'll have to see if there are other steps that can be taken. Yeah. Uh, the the other aspect of this is the Franciscan friars themselves, uh, who again have been doing this for twenty years, uh, expressed obvious uh, disappointment uh, with the decision. No, oh, yeah. But again, there may not be that much they can do legally, uh, given that uh, this is the decision on the part of Walter Reed. Yeah. So it, it, they're certainly looking at. Um, options, but again, it's going to be an interesting question whether or not uh, formal legal action is possible here. I'll leave that to the legal experts. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, let me shift to another story. But uh, one last, one, uh, was there something else uh, there, uh, Matthew? Well, yeah, I, I think part of it is, uh, as I was ready to start our conversation, I was, I was making note of the fact that uh, we have seen in other areas uh, sudden and at times almost inexplicable cancellations of contracts and long-standing relationships. So I think there's a lot more going on here okay. than simply Walter Reed. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned, and I think it's something that uh, we need to flag for our radar as we're looking at what I think are growing threats to religious freedom. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've known in the past about um, uh, cities canceling contracts with Catholic agencies of adoption because uh, we refuse right. to release children to um, unmarried couples. And so, you know... Th- right. But, uh, We've seen a lot of it, too, with police chaplaincies okay. uh, in different parts of the country. Really? So... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This. Some. Um, we will look at this more carefully. Uh, see exactly if this mm-hmm. is a, a, a trend that we're seeing. I hope not. Let me let me jump to the Baltimore Archdiocese of Baltimore story. Uh, Archbishop Laurie of Baltimore apologized to abuse survivors last week. Um, the Maryland Attorney General released a you know, report that chronicles hundreds of alleged abuses committed by clergy in the Archdiocese dating back to the 1940s. Um, I, I don't know, I don't want to minimize any of the, the problems uh, the, the caused by abuse, but I also want to know if this report was principally concerned with past allegations or were they shining a light 
on present abuse in the church? Yeah, I think that's a very important point to make now. Again, we have to reiterate that uh, even one case of abuse is too many. Right. Uh, and that any report like this has to be read very dutifully uh, and with uh, real sorrow. Uh, this is a report that details 156 uh, apparent abusers uh, stretching over, as you say, 60-plus years involving as many as 600 victims. Mm-hmm. So that's an extraordinary number. Uh, having said all of that, um, I think the argument can be made that the, the majority of the cases here, the vast majority of the cases, are historical. Yeah. And as such, has to be looked at uh, a different era. Now, that's the context that always has to be provided when we're talking about reports uh, like this. Yeah. It's also a nicety or a context that is often completely lost based in the reporting uh, on, you know, on situations like this. Uh, but also in so much of the public perception now. Uh, this is uh, one that I think will be quite a few attorney general reports coming out over the next couple of years uh, over a variety of states. And we're still assessing the almost thermonuclear impact uh, that the Pennsylvania Grand Jury report right. had, yeah. uh, not just on the church in Pennsylvania, coming on the heels of the dead, right in the middle, right, so to speak, of the Theodore Herrick scandal. Mm-hmm. So the the Baltimore report, the one in Baltimore Archdiocese, the, the Maryland report, makes for horrendous reading. But I think he really raised a point that has to be made in that uh, we're looking at, at a different era in the life of the Church. And uh, I think this also casts in stark relief the immensity of the progress that has been made over the last 20 plus years. Now, you and I have talked about this for as long as I can remember mm-hmm. uh, since I've been a guest on, on your show. Yeah. Uh, and the work of the church in dealing with this. Yeah. Uh, do they show the same pattern that these uh, abuse, um, I- these instances of abuse or alleged abuse, uh, kind of peak in the 1970s? Uh, they, they gain momentum in the uh, 60s and peak in the 70s? Yeah, I, I think uh, a close reading of the report would indicate that. Yeah. So we're seeing that same pattern that we have seen play out throughout the whole history of the documentation of this uh, tragedy and of this scandal, uh, this disaster. Uh, when we look at the John Jay report, when we look at other uh, attorney general reports, when we look at the formal assessments on the part of uh, church leaders into this crisis, uh, those same patterns just keep emerging. Uh, and at the same time, we're seeing the same patterns of success uh, in the Church dealing with this, so much so, of course, that we're now in single digits every year. Yeah. Again, even one case is too many. Yeah. Uh, but compared to a number of other institutions across the United States, I think that's an important point to make. I, I agree, and uh, we have to can make it make that point time and again uh, without in any way minimizing uh, the tragedy that uh, a single case represents. Let me ask you one question about this um, documentary uh, on Netflix that I saw called Vatican Girl, The Disappearance of Emanuela Orlandi. We don't have much time to discuss it, but uh, I understand that uh, there is now going to be an investigation um, Tell me about it. 
Yeah, uh, well, I think this is uh, the, the byproduct of questions that have been raised for a very long time uh, on this disappearance. And I, I think uh, as investigations have continued, uh, that the conclusion has been made that at least this is worth looking into. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at the same time, I, I also want to note uh, the documentary featuring Pope Francis talking to a series of uh, Jane Lees, uh, which provided more interesting content than one would think. Okay, we'll, we'll talk again when we have more time to, to go into it. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, once again, thanks for joining us today. It. And continue to have a blessed uh, Easter season.